Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. This is your host, John Hagedorn. Get ready for Barry Craig, Confidential Investigator. William Gargan stars as Barry Craig, Confidential Investigator. I knew a murderer once who was planning to get married. So he killed a man for money enough to furnish a house. It didn't work out, though. All he got was the chair. The National Broadcasting Company presents William Gargan in another transcribed drama of mystery and adventure with America's number one detective, Barry Craig, confidential investigator. Barry Craig speaking. It gets dark early these days. It's always cold, and a confidential investigator's business dies a slow death. Maybe it's because the weather discourages romance. Wives stay home knitting. Husbands decide the blonde wasn't born who's worth a trip through the icy city. So I'm in the office pretending to go through the files, trying to keep the corpse warm. The buzzer buzzes, and I look up. Maybe I think it'll be a fireman. It's open. If it is, he forgot to bring the fire with him. Uh, you, Craig? I'm Craig. Sit down. Yeah. And uh, colder. That's why I'm still here, Mr. Uh... Uh, Hearn's the name. Joe Hearn. How do you do? Uh, are you in a position to take on a job? A job for when? Tonight. Oh, you're lucky. It so happens I'm free tonight. Now, if you'd wanted me to go to work tomorrow, uh, you'd still be lucky. I'd be free then, too. What's the matter, Pop? Huh? Oh, uh, nothing, just the cold. I ain't so young anymore. Who is? This job for tonight, what's it about? It's uh, just that I want you to go along with me to, to pay a visit. Sounds easy enough. Yeah, I used to have one of those. What? Oh, uh, investigator's license? Yeah. Nothing but a uh, night watchman now, though. Job won't take more than a couple of hours. Would, uh, would 25 bucks be enough? Sure. Here, I, I got the dough with me. It's out on uh, Staten Island. Ouch. Uh, it, it ain't too bad. You, you can stay inside on the ferry. Uh, you better meet me around 8.30, hmm? Okay. And uh, down in the Bay Drive corner, Weston, 830. Uh, place we're going to is maybe a five-minute walk from there. Bay Drive and Western, 830. Yeah. Well, I guess I'll see you later, huh? Oh, Mr. Hearn. Yeah? 25 bucks for company on a visit is a little on the rich side for you, isn't it? Yeah, but on this visit... Yeah, I want to make sure I don't get killed. Well, 
Mr. Hearn didn't pause to explain. I started after him, shrugged my shoulders, went back to the desk and put my files away. A client's got a right to his privacy. I wondered how I'd like being a night watchman if I ever washed up as a private eye. I decided I wouldn't and headed for a hamburger joint instead of a steakhouse for dinner. Ferry had been fine, but Bay Drive turned out to be right on the bay. I didn't care for the result. I was maybe three-quarters of a block away from the intersection of Bay Drive and Western when the car passed me. The street didn't run to many lampposts, and the pedestrians were all home. I didn't think the car's driving without lights was accidental. I began to run. I could see Joe Hearn shuffling his feet, trying to keep warm on the corner. The car moved in fast, and... Ah! Ah! Then it went away. No license plates. I got to where Hearn was hugging the pavement and bent over him. He'd given up trying to keep warm. He'd never be warm again. Bay Drive ran parallel to the water. Nothing was below it except a crooked shoreline and the cold darkness of the bay itself. I'd flagged a passing car and had the news phoned in. After a while, Joe Hearn had a spotlight on him, the undivided attention of a half a dozen cops and a nervous intern. Joe Hearn wasn't particularly interested. Barry? Welcome to Staten Island, Lieutenant Rogers. Thanks. I could use a red carpet for a windbreak. Hearn hired you to... Help him pay a visit. To whom? Me? I would have said to who? That's an interesting sidelight on your grammar. Doesn't tell me anything, though. That's because I don't know anything. Hearn wasn't giving out information. Hearn was a night watchman for the coastlines. He worked in one of their warehouses. Near here? Half an hour's walk. Hmm. No help there. His date was closer. His date has been canceled. Nobody spotted the car, Barry. Probably put the lights on again once it got a few blocks away. Trav, uh, were your men able to dig up anything on Hearn's actions just before he wound up here? Landlady at his boarding house said he had dinner there. He stopped off at a place called Old Tyrol for a beer. I spoke to the manager, a man named Grunner. Wound up with nothing. Hearn always had a beer there on his way to work. That's it? Yeah, I hope he enjoyed his beer. <laughs> They finished with the chalk marks and the flashbulbs. Hearn wasn't a heavy man. They had no trouble rolling him onto a stretcher and taking him away. The last I saw of him was a pair of tired shoes. The right one had a hole in it. I thought maybe I'd try the beer at the old Tyro. I wasn't fooling anybody. The 25 bucks in my pocket was bothering me. I hadn't earned it. The place was full of people. The waiters were girls dressed in costume. I suppose their bare knees improved the customers' appetites. I hoped nobody would start yodeling. Uh, good evening, sir. You uh, want a table, maybe, huh? Well, uh, I'm looking for Mr. Gruner. Uh, I am Gruner. My name's Craig, Barry Craig. Yeah, 
I'm working uh, for Joe Hearn. But the man is dead, no? I'm still working for him. I'm a confidential investigator. It is very sad what happens to Mr. Hearn, but uh, I have already told the police everything I know. Suppose you tell me all over again. I do not know exactly what the confidential investigator means, but I am a friend of the police captain here in the district. That's nice. He would not like it that I am disturbed. Hearn didn't like trying to breathe through the blood in his lungs. You do not make yourself very pleasant. I will not talk with you more. No? At least you will let go of me. How many murdered men have you ever looked at, Mr. Gruner? I say you let They're go. They're not pretty. Mostly they die with their eyes open. Killer's got so little time he doesn't bother shutting their eyes. <sighs> and what you see in a murdered man's eyes isn't pleasant, Mr. Gruner. There's nothing much anybody can do about it except turn up the killer. That's what I'm trying to do. I, I understand. I wish to help, only... Yeah. You own this building? Yeah. Coming, I noticed it had two stories. What's upstairs? More restaurant? No. It's storerooms and... and things like that. Things like that. Mind if I take a look? Why do you wish that? Maybe I'm thinking of retiring and opening a restaurant with storerooms upstairs. It is closed upstairs. I cannot permit you... Never mind. Yeah. Now, if you excuse... I... I go to work. But, uh... Perhaps you will be a guest of the management, huh? The Wiener schnitzel here is very good. So is the beer, I understand. No, thanks. For some reason, I, I can't think of what it is exactly. I haven't got an appetite. Good night, Mr. Groner. Welcome to the Bay Drive Precinct, Barry. Hello, Trav. How's the beer at the old Tyrol? What makes you think I've been there? <laughs> We've met before. You're bothered about Hearn. Sure. I owe him 25 bucks worth of investigation. Uh-huh. Worrying about money? What else? I won't tell anybody you're sentimental, Barry. Thanks. I'll keep quiet about your reading books. <laughs> that makes us even. What'd you find out, if anything, at the old Tyrol? Nothing. You? You gave us the fact that Hearn was a private eye once upon a time. So? The reason he quit was because the commission revoked his license. They must have had a reason. They had. A good one? Not too good. But they couldn't help themselves. Happened around ten years ago. You going to talk without prompting? Ah, the way it went was Joe Hearn had an office downtown. On the waterfront. Had a lot of jobs for shipping outfits. Was doing pretty well. Until he testified against a man named Pete Solder... They had a law then about testifying against men named Pete Solder? The charge against Solder was smuggling. His lawyer brought in a lot of witnesses. In the higher income brackets, Barry. That made them good witnesses? Well, it helped. The case against Solder was shot full of little holes. Hearn almost got himself charged with perjury. Was Solder guilty? Sure. Ran gambling houses, too. He was deported a few years later. But at the time of the trial, his guilt couldn't be proved. So Hearn had his license taken away. Was that or a perjury charge? Trav, let me have a list of the witnesses that testified for Solder, huh? Yeah, I've got it here. Thanks. Grunner isn't on the list. No. Thanks, Trav. You're leaving? Uh-huh. And going where? Back to the waterfront. Got a lead? No. But you're going anyway. All for 25 bucks? No. I keep remembering Hearn's shoes. What about him? 
They had holes in them. I went back to the corner of Bay Drive and Western. The cops were gone. Hearn was gone. The only thing left was a blood stain on the pavement. Not much to show for a lifetime. I remembered what Hearn had told me. His visit was to a place five minutes from Bay and Western. It wouldn't have been back along the way I'd come. It couldn't be down Western to the water. It might have been up Western going inland. It might have been a long bay drive where it hugged the shore. I'd invest five minutes along the shore. Hearn's life had been played near water and it ended there. Five minutes was a small investment. But bay drive died on me. In five minutes, a high brick wall stared at me. I backed up away from it and there was a house rising above the wall set deep behind it. Maybe it was the wind that lifted the small hairs out of the back of my neck. I found a gate in the wall. There were lights in the house. Who's that? Open the gate. Sure, I'll open it. Now what? I'm paying a visit to the house. What time do you think it is? 2.30 in the morning. There's no time for visiting. Everybody's asleep. The lights are on. They're nervous up at the house. They sleep with the lights on. Now, now. Listen, I don't want to get rough. I'm visiting. Oh, you're on your way out now. You you nearly broke my arm. Keep your hands out of your pockets. I'm not interested in your gun. I wasn't. You mean you're not. The house, huh? Okay, okay. I don't know what you think you're doing. Paying a visit. You announced me as Craig. Craig? Yeah, Barry Craig. Hey, you're a private eye. Confidential investigator sounds more expensive. What are you so kind of edgy tonight? Maybe I'm always edgy. Dodging in on Mrs. Warren like this won't do you any good, though. I'm not looking for any good. What's your name? Dolan. Got a license for that gun you're carrying? What's the matter? You got a license complex or something? Forget it. That gun been used recently? You keep popping on my gun. Lay off. They've been off the grounds all night. I didn't ask you. Mrs. Warren run to a butler? He goes to bed early. All right. Get back to the gatehouse. Oh, wait a minute. I said get back. You like to throw your weight around, don't you? I've got plenty of it. Yeah. Only one thing. There's just so much I'll take, and then... And then? Nothing. Dolan, what... I'm not Dolan. So I see. The name's Barry Craig. Mind if I come in? That might depend on just who Barry Craig is. Well, he's a confidential investigator. He's got an office in the city, a license under glass, and, uh... And? A necessity for visiting. Does it happen often? No. Well, I suppose there's no harm in indulging you, Mr. Craig. That's up to you. Would you go away if I asked you to? No. (laughs) Come in, Mr. Craig. It's a strange hour for a visit, Mr. Craig. You're up, Mrs. Warren? I keep strange hours. Why did you come here? A man named Joe Hearn was shot to death a little while ago. Oh, but... He was a private eye once upon a time. More recently, he's been a night watchman. 
Right now, he's dead. Well, I... I'm sorry about that. I suppose investigators are all fine men. They bleed when they're shot, and when they've bled long enough, they die. That was hardly necessary. People don't always realize. Big house you've got here? Yes. Around 8.30 tonight, uh, you were where? I don't really see why I should answer your questions. Do you mind answering? Of course not. Then... 8.30? I was here. I may have been reading. Alone? My husband's dead. Oh. The butler goes to bed very early. But of course, there's Dolan. There's always Dolan. The grounds run right down to the water's edge, don't they? They do. You're a beautiful woman, Mrs. Swan. I... Thank you. Beautiful and rich. Why did you let me walk through your front door? Meaning that I didn't have to? I'd put it that way. But perhaps I wanted to. Was it my hand-tailored suit or my polished manners? <laughs> your polished manners. Or perhaps the hat you're wearing. It's still on your head. Hmm. In the trial of a man named Pete Solder a number of years ago, another man named Thomas Warren testified on Solder's behalf. Thomas Warren was my husband. I know. Thomas Warren's testimony helped a private investigator named Joe Hearn lose his license. Oh, we're back to that. We never left it. It was that Joe Hearn who died tonight. What possible interest could I Solder have? knew lots of people like the Thomas Warrens. He must have had something. I hardly knew him. You must have been what, uh, 18 at the time? A few years older when Solder was deported? Did you still hardly know him then? I'm trying to understand why you're asking me these questions. Hearn was killed a few minutes after he left a restaurant and bar called the Old Tyro. It's run by a man named Gruner. He keeps his supplies upstairs behind drawn blinds and with the lights on. I know nothing about the Old Tyro or men named Gruner. Mr. Craig, why don't you take your hat off? Why should I? Perhaps because I want to see what your hair is like. I'm not a cop. Those rooms upstairs at the restaurant could be used for gambling. I, I wouldn't be interested. Except that Pete Solder ran a string of gambling houses. You're very stubborn. I'll take it off for you. This is pretty quick, isn't it? You're very real, Mr. Craig. Very real and disturbing. I still think it's pretty quick. You underestimate yourself. The world's full of little men, half-men. You, you're exciting. I... I'm not buying. What? It's a nice performance, but your price tag's showing. Well, you... You... No. Oh, my wrist. I'd just as soon not be slapped. Not even by a beautiful woman. Let's get back to the gambling houses. If you don't mind, I'll show you to the door. You mean he's had time enough by now to get away? Yeah. Too late. The car's gone. Very nice, Mrs. Warren. Would you please leave? You stormed me just long enough, didn't you, to let him get out of here? I don't know who you're talking about. No, but Hearn did, Mrs. Warren. Hearn did. I left. 
Dolan didn't try to stop me. I hadn't expected him to. Out in the bay, the boats lay at anchor, rocking with the tide. The old tie roll was still open for business. I gave it mine. Out in the restaurant, a handful of people made tired passes at food. The bar was doing better. The bartender had a very high-class assistant. Hey. Yes, sir? What will it... Mr. Craig. Hello, Mr. Groner. You are back again. Yeah. Surprised? What, uh... What is it you want now? Let's not disturb the bartender. Let's go where we can talk. I do not wish to go Sure any... you do. Only you don't realize it yet. I still say Rona, I... you know where I've been? It is not my business. I've been visiting Mrs. Warren. That means nothing to me. I... Who is Mrs. Warren? A lady with a lawn sloping right down to the shore of the bay. So? Yeah. We uh, go to my office. Fine. He's upstairs. No objection. Right up among the storerooms, huh? Store? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't hit those yes hard enough. What you really mean is that you're closed up for the night. Upstairs. You say things which I do not understand. Never mind. My uh, office is here. Very pretty. You do not come to admire my office. Mr. Craig, what is it you wish to say to me? How well did you know Joe Hearn? I hardly knew him at all. Uh-uh. He stopped in every night for his beer. It must have been more than a casual thing. No. The cops know better. Well, what I meant is that, uh, of course, I knew Mr. Hearn, but uh, not uh, very personal, you understand? I understand. You served him his beer tonight? Well, yeah, an old customer. And while he was drinking that beer, what did he tell you? Nothing, except uh, how the weather is and... Yeah? And that is all. A couple of boys chatting about the weather. No, Groner. What do you mean, no? I don't like your answer. Please, I'm not being brutal, just making sure you stay with me. Groner, what did Hearn tell you tonight? I... I'm not well. Please. You're just beginning to feel sick. It'll get worse, Groner. I am not concerned. I'll tell you what you and Hearn talked about. Hearn mentioned the fact that on his way to work, he always passed the Warren estate. He told you that when he passed it last night, he saw someone go in that estate. Someone whose face he had a very good reason to remember. Isn't that what he told you? No. No, I swear to you. No? Why deny it with such excitement, Groner? Why swear to me? I, I, because I, I... you know what it means, don't you? That's why you're so anxious to get out of it, isn't it, Groner? I, 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 I say nothing. Let's go back to storytelling. Hearn told you that. He also told you he was going to pay a visit with a private eye, me. Although he wasn't mentioning names, was he? No, no. Don't be so anxious to agree with me on unimportant things. Hearn finished his beer and left. And what did you do? Nothing. Nothing except make a little phone call to a lady, Gruner. Yeah. They've got a funny law. Roughly, it says that if you know about a murder and don't talk, you go to the chair right alongside of the man who actually pulled the trigger. I, I know about this. Maybe you'll think it's unfair. You'll go right on thinking that until they shoot the high voltage through that fat body of yours. I, I know nothing. I, I, you I... found Mrs. Warren. You passed on what Hearn had told you. I... Maybe I did. It is not against the law. What did you think would happen with that information, Groner? What do you think did happen? 
It is not of my doing. They got to Hearn before I met him. He didn't die very pleasantly. I'm angry about that. Please, Mr. Craig, you are hurting it. Try breathing with lungs full of blood sometimes. Uh, That hurts more. Who did Hearn tell you he saw entering Mrs. Warren's estate last night? You let go of me, and I I tell you. Thanks. I wish that it is on the record that I did not know what will happen. It'll be on the record. Now stop washing the blood off your hands and talk. All right. Then I speak. The men Hearn sees who goes into the Warren estate... Get out! Rona! Nice shooting, Dolan. Come out from behind that door. I've had a bead on it since we came into the room. The angle's wrong for you. Come out from behind that door, Dolan. Okay. Hold it. Drop the gun. Now, keep coming. Hey, what? I said keep coming to me. Or do you want to find out if I shoot straight? Oh. I'll keep walking. That's fine. Now stop. Turn around. Back to me. Face that door you just came out of. Yeah. Now, you start back to the door, Dolan. What? What's your idea? One dead private eye is enough for tonight. So we play it this way. Start walking. I'll be right behind. So if anybody gets nervous and starts shooting, I'll see to it that you don't fall down when you get shot. You can't do this to I'm me. doing it. Keep walking. But he, he'll shoot. The boy in the room you came out of? That was the idea, wasn't it? You were coming in. I was supposed to think you'd been alone. I wouldn't be watching the next room. I'd make a nice target. But I like you better as a target. No. Kick the door open all the way. Okay. Yeah. Better. Much better. Hold it, Dolan. As for you, you can try shooting it out with me. Not much of a chance for you, though. Or you can drop your gun and hope. You may stay alive a little while longer that way till the jury gets around to you. What shall it be, Mr. Solder? Mr. Solder, Mr. Pete Solder, dropped his gun and surrendered to the authorities. I dropped him in Lieutenant Rogers' lap. The lieutenant dumped him in a cell and then... He'll keep for a while. Not too long. He's turning spoiled right now. But Pete Solder... After all these years. Yeah. Funny, he sneaked back into the country and might have got away with it. But the place he picks out turns out to be the one place he should have stayed away from. He had no way of knowing Joe Hearn's route to his job took him past Mrs. Warren's estate. No. So Hearn saw him and... And what? I'm not sure. He wanted me to come with him when he visited the Warren estate. He wouldn't tell me why. Uh, If he'd come to us, he'd be alive now. Yeah, but he was too bitter, I guess. He wanted to make a citizen's arrest himself. Get back to Solda for all the years. The worn-out shoes, the tiredness. It might have worked out if he hadn't talked to Gruner. Gruner, who ran a gambling dump upstairs in his restaurant. Who had a tie-in with Solda. And that was it. But, um, what led you to it? Little things, mostly. Something Hearn came across on his way to work led to his death. 
The warrants had figured in the reports on Solder's trial. A small boat could land on the estate without being seen. And Dolan said something about this being a night where a private eye would be edgy. But he had no way of knowing about Hearn unless he'd had a hand in his death. Well, it's all washed up. What are you doing the rest of the night, Barry? Go home and... No. I earned my 25 bucks. I'm going out and spend it. On what? A steak. Good night, folks. See you next week. been listening to William Gargan in another exciting transcribed mystery drama from the adventures of Barry Craig, confidential investigator. William Gargan stars as Barry Craig, confidential investigator. Did you ever wonder, folks, how a certain species of blonde can breathe in spite of a heart of stone? The National Broadcasting Company presents William Gargan in another transcribed drama of mystery and adventure with America's number one detective, Barry Craig, confidential investigator. Barry Craig speaking. A confidential investigator occupies a kind of strategic position in law enforcement. He can mix with an element a regular department cop is obliged to scorn, if not arrest on sight. Like a cop, the confidential operator is on the side of the angels, but he can work for the devil, like I did, not too voluntarily once upon a crime. The case came at me in broad daylight at the foot of Father Duffy's statue on Broadway. The first I knew of it was a gun in my ribs. Free, Shamus, and don't let out a peep. <laughs> a tough right out of a B-movie with a reek to him like he ate garlic for candy. Is it a gun or a monkey wrench, Sonny? Bleed and find out. A line of dialogue like that, you ought to copyright. Hey, you're talking yourself to death. Shut my mouth. See that car in the corner? <laughs> the green and white job that reads PD? Not the police car, smart guy, the one behind it. Oh, the hot limousine. It ain't hot. It was bought legitimate. Pardon me. Go get into it. Times must be hard for you to get down to me. This isn't a snatch. Then what is it? You'll find out. In with you. Give her the gun, Needles. And off the big street, first turn you can make. Heading downtown, I tried for a peek into my future. Who was it? Who was who? Hired you to work over me. <laughs> You're sure in a sweat, Shamus. It's my memories coming back. A lot of guys resent the free room and board I arranged for them up the river. You're guessing wrong. Oh, I'm relieved. Or am I? I'm 
gonna blindfold you now. A cigarette toast? Now, why ain't you a comedian? Right now, I wish I'd pick the occupation. Hold steady. Can't see, can you? <laughs> Can't even breathe. Why include my nose in a blindfold? Breathe through your mouth, like me. I haven't the adenoids for it. Yeah, another crack, I'll rock you to sleep. Now shut up and enjoy the ride. I could guess our general destination by the odor. A New Yorker develops a nose for local geography. Front Street somewhere off the East River. The Fulton Fish Market couldn't be too far away. Well, you're going down cellar steps, so hold on to the rail. I've got the rail. In with your shamus. Hey, was that push necessary? Here's your pigeon, boss. Good work. Take the blindfold off. I second the motion. Hello, Craig. Wait till the fog lifts. Not Sam Stacy. <laughs> Surprised? I'm shocked at the lousy reporting this town gets. The headlines have you in Acapulco and China. The papers have been crucifying me. Mad dog killer Stacy. Where do they come off with that stuff? <laughs> A guy named Crowley wasn't only dead. A bullet in his brain, plus his head caved in, plus his features smeared and his clothes gone to make identification impossible, plus being drowned in Long Island Sound. You put your heart in your work, Stacy. I didn't kill Crowley. Nobody will believe you. Sure. I'm a dog with a bad name. Grab Stacy, hang the frame on him. Okay. Start lying at me. Lying? Isn't that why I'm down here with the smell of fish and rats? Why, you Maxine, lay off. Maxie insults easy. Stop baiting him, Craig. He's a hothead. I must remember to cool him off someday. I'm waiting to hear the lie. There was bad blood between me and Crowley, sure. I never made a secret of it. Crowley began taking horse bets on my side of the street. Like a chump, I shot off my mouth publicly where stoolies could pipe my remarks to the cops. Shut off your mouth about what you were going to do to Crowley. That's right. But you didn't. I didn't get a chance to. You tried to, however. Yeah, I'll give you the truth with nothing held back. At your own risk. Under these circumstances, I don't regard it as confidential. The day before Crowley was fished out of the river, I trailed him to Obermeyer's boathouse over on the north shore of Long Island. But... What's the big but? Crowley shook me. I watched for him in my car off the pier, figuring he'd come walking right into my gun. He never came off the pier. He took off by motorboat. That's your story? It's the honest truth. Why are you crying at me? Get whoever beat me to Crowley. Get me in the clear. I'll pay you a fat fee. If you live. I'll live. I've got a hot flash for you. There's a shoot-to-kill order out for you. <laughs> I'm in Acapulco, China. Only I know different now. You mean you'll finger me? I mean. It's a chance I'll have to take. The way it stacks, you're my only chance. Why not let me surrender you alive? No good. I'd hate myself in the hot seat. Maxie. Yeah, boss? Dump Craig somewhere. Crease him a little? A little. I can't risk you being able to pinpoint my hideout, Craig, if you decide against me. I've been hit on the head before. I don't want Craig injured, Maxie. Uh, just like you say. A big break for you, Shamus. <laughs> 
came to with the Third Avenue L roaring through my head. I was on a stoop front, tilted at an angle, my hat down over my eyes, and an empty pint bottle at my feet, like a bum sleeping off a bottle of paint remover. Sensitive Maxie had a sense of humor after all. I found a note pinned inside my coat. Craig, I've got a wife and kids. Please, Stacy. Pinned to the note was a $1,000 bill, a retainer. <laughs> a wife and kids. If it was a lie, it was a good one. It was about the only way Stacy could hook me as a helper. Looking to hail a cruising cab, I got a first-hand view of Metropolitan Police Efficiency. A familiar flivver that breathed so close it flicked lint off my trousers. Barry Craig. Lieutenant Trav Rogers. Climb in. Must I? It's an order. Where are we going? To make a police entry that you've been recovered safe and sound. What's the gag? You tell me. You reported his kidnap two hours ago. <laughs> Joke. I'm not in the habit of wasting official time on practical jokes. A Broadway news vendor with a stand across from Father Dovey's statue phoned in a report that a gunman picked you off the sidewalk and took you for a ride. Hmm. Nice to know our great big city is on its toes. Uh, I anticipated the worst. I have my men checking hospitals, ditches, cellars, and the morgue. Uh, tell them they can go back to playing Pinocchio. Craig, what was it about? About? The snatch. Oh. <laughs> Trav, I wish I could tell you, only... Uh, only? I got hit on the head. Here, feel the lump. So? So I don't know anything. Uh, I got a touch of amnesia from the blow. Craig? Uh, let me out at the corner, huh, like a sweetheart. I, I got an important engagement with a boathouse. Overmeyer's boathouse looked like a wreck washed ashore by a hurricane. Scrap iron, old anchors, piles of rusted junk. Like Overmeyer never threw anything away. Boats for rent, hour, day, or week, the sign read. Hello? Yeah. Oh, uh, you rent motorboats? You can read. Sassy at your age, and you won't make out with St. Peter. Uh, what do you want? Civility. I ain't got any rent boats. Who's kidding who? Brace yourself for a shock, Overmeyer. I don't have to. You're a detective. It shows. Big feet, bad jokes, and a swelled head. Now, what'd you after? A murderer. You won't find him here. The victim was a man named Crowley, a man you rented a boat to. I ain't never murdered a customer. Do you have some reason for being a little slippery, Grandpa? Hmm. See through it, do you? Like through glass. I've got a reason. $200. Meaning? The deposit this, uh... Crowley? Crowley left for the motorboat. He never came back for it. He never brought the boat back. Found it scuttled on a sandbar. Repairs on it came to more than $200. Relax, I'm not parting you for your money. So $200 is why you never made a police report. Police report, you say? That slippery note's back. You knowingly held back information bearing on a murder case. I'm a poor man. And a grade-A chiseler. Where was Crowley taking himself to? How could I know? Because you're the inquisitive type. Mm. Murder Island? Murder Island? Name it got from the tenants on it. Where is Murder Island? About four miles north by east out there in the sound. Who tenants it? Vince Keeley. If you're a detective, you'll know him. Yeah, I do. Gambling's on. Only nobody's ever proved it. 
On trial for murder last year, only the jury didn't convict. Healy had an alibi. Yeah, a surprise alibi. The last-minute kind that knocks down a case. I want a motorboat and a chartered course to murder Allen. A storm coming up. Well, not for hours, the way the sky looks. Storms are deceiving. I'll take the chance. I'll want a deposit. I'll bring the boat back. If Keely lets you come back, I'll want a deposit. Storms were deceiving. The storm had come at me. Like Obermeyer had push-button control over storms and was having this laugh at me. Rain in buckets from overhead and the, and the river splashing over me below. Faster than I could bail water. It was only minutes before I could swim for it. <laughs> what flashes through your head when you see death working you over? One measly thought playing over and over like a record stuck in a groove. Why did this have to happen to me? When there was no doubt about Obermeyer losing a boat to Davy Jones, I started the long swim. Coming up for the third time. Water running out of your nose and ears. You get hallucinations. Pleasant ones. My hallucination was a sea nymph with the build of a channel swimmer. Looking at her face was like leafing through an old album. She was every lady I'd ever known, starting with my mother. Lie on your back. Give me your hand so I can pull you to shore. Give her my hand. Talking like my life was her special problem. Hold tight now. Hold tight. You obey. You let her take charge while you go to sleep. I knew I was still alive by the sandflies making a playground of my chest. I was on a beach littered with fish skeletons. Hello. And a girl flopping beside me like a come-to-Bermuda poster of honeymooners. A girl with none of the faces in the old album. Flash storm capsized your boat. Yeah. Obermeyer worked that trick with push buttons. What'd you say? Never mind. You rescued me, huh? I saw you thrashing around like a dying fish a hundred yards offshore. How come you were on hand to see me? Have you noticed my swimsuit? I've got eye strain. Are you always swimming in a flash storm? <laughs> Are you? <laughs> I'm Barry Craig. The detective? Oh, I can't believe I'm that famous. You are along 52nd Street. Hmm. 21 and nightclub row. I'm Rose Renee. The queen of burlesque. Oh, I can't believe I'm that famous. You are among uh, connoisseurs. <laughs> exactly where are we? On Murder Island. Oh. You belong to it? I'm married to it. Married? Let me try to guess. Mrs. Vince Keeley. Play hearts and flowers, Maestro. It's as bad as that? It's a jail sentence. I'm a prisoner of love. Vince bought me only he welshed on the payment. He welshed after I said I do. Why the frank talk? Well, I feel I broadcast. That's my nature. I'm cooped up on this crummy island so Vince won't have to fight off the boys giving me the eye. The only glad rags I get to wear is a swimsuit. So pick up and go. I'm allergic to morgues. Yeah. 
Murder is Vince's business, they say. That's no joke. Vince connived his way out of one murder rap last year with a phony alibi. Yeah, I remember the trial. Who was it again Vince was charged with knocking off? Dixie Dugan, his business partner. Slot machines, dice houses, stolen liquor. Dugan was fed up, about to confess all to the DA when he suddenly turned up dead. Vince served champagne that night to celebrate. Why are you telling me all this? On the hunch that it's case reopened. But you're here after Vince. You really want a divorce? Oh, any old way. Then tell me about a fellow named Crowley. Crowley was Vince's star witness last year. Crowley's alibi for Vince got Vince acquitted. Sister, your divorce is practically on the horizon if you come through with this next one. Did Crowley come here to murder Allen lately? Crowley was always coming to the island. He and Vince were squabbling all the time. What about? Hush money. I passed the time getting an earful of things. Crowley was putting the bite on Vince. Blackmail for his perjured testimony? I ask you. How about Sam Stacy? Never heard of him. Stacy's being accused of murdering Crowley. News to me. I'm shut off from the outside world. Look, I gotta go now before Vince sends out a searching party. Don't let on to Vince we met. Am I the dope to kill the golden goose? A snake in Vince's bosom. Boredom wasn't Rose's only motive for putting Hubby on the spot. She had her eye on Big Doe and a high old life as a merry widow. Vince Keeley acted as outraged as a guy could get. Hey, Craig, you've got rocks in your head coming here to burn me. Let's confine the argument to Crowley. I haven't seen or heard of Crowley for over six months. Oh, no? No. Then how was the payoff worked? What payoff? The blackmail money to Crowley for the perjured alibi last year. Hey, you're asking for something. You hinting the river? Now, look, you got me all wrong. I made a shady buck once, sure. It's all behind me. I'm out of the rackets now, clean as a whistle, living respectably. Why, I'm even holed up on the island to keep out of trouble, to, to improve my mind and amount to something more than a mug. I can't cry. I don't have a handkerchief on me. Hey, look around you, Craig. All the books on them shelves. I promised myself I wouldn't get off this island until I read every one of them. Why, I even take piano lessons. How about typewriter practice? I asked you to quit writing me. So you didn't murder Crowley to stop his blackmail? No. You also denied that he perjured for you once? I deny it, yeah. And Sam Stacy, Know him? Not familiarly. A punk bookie somewhere, isn't he? He is. They're pinning the Crowley rap on him. Well, it's nothing to me. We through? No. Who was your lawyer? George Brooks. Did Brooks defend you in that murder trial last year? Yeah. Now what are you up to? Just familiarizing myself with all the ramifications of your living. The coming genius like you with books and a piano, I... I might want to do a profile for the society pages. Craig, get out of here. Sure. But first, I'm showing you this. A rod, huh? A rod. I'll take some killing before I'm killed. You're crazy. Prove it by ferrying me off the island. I uh, lost my boat to a storm. I'll have you ferried off, but stay off. (laughs) 
Back in town, George Brooks, the mouthpiece, was twice as outraged as Vince Keeley would managed to be. Craig, you've no right to persecute Vince Keeley. I haven't, huh? The man's turned over a new leaf. He's reformed. He's cut off every association he had with his former life. Let's boil it down to murder. Accusing Vince of murdering Miss Crowley is fantastic. How about accusing Vince of winning acquittal in a murder trial through the late Crowley's perjured testimony? That's a cheap, contemptible lie. I defended that case. I know. Why do you represent a man as notorious as Vince Keeley? Because I believe every man has some good in him. Because I'm not a blue nose or a moralist. Because I have every evidence Vince Keeley wants to live a decent, useful life if given a chance. You're positive Keeley uh, hasn't done murder past or present? If I believed otherwise, I wouldn't raise a finger to help him. Whoever murdered Crowley, it wasn't Keeley. And now, if you don't mind, I have a busy schedule. Okay, if I use your phone for a minute? If you must. Harry Craig speaking. Give me Lieutenant Trev Rogers. Craig, if you mean this as some psychological trick, it's utterly childish. <laughs> Is that why you're beginning to perspire? Over coffee and sinkers, I got the benefit of Trav Rogers' power of analysis. Putting one and one together from what you've told me, one notion keeps standing up in my head, Craig. Said notion being... That you might end up where you began, with your uh, client. Stacy murdered Crowley like the police bulletins insist, huh? Yes. Stacy hired you as a smokescreen. You heard Crowley had business with the Czar of Murder Island, and... And hoped I'd uh, create a competing suspect in Vince Keeley. And take the heat off Stacy. The notion makes sense, but... You don't buy it. Not until I have another look at Murder Island. Looking for what? <laughs> the Queen of Clubs. Rose Renee. And at the terrain, the rocks, shrubbery. I'm curious about Crowley's missing clothes, his personal effects. Crowley's clothes? He wasn't wearing any when he came out of the river. You've got a point. Find any article of Crowley's on Murder Island and you've made a liar out of Vince Keeley. Crowley hadn't been around in over six months, Vince swears. Let's go. Oh, just a minute. Uh, you including yourself in? It's suicide to Buck Keeley and his crowd alone. I'm the suicidal type. Uh, morbid depths to my personality, my horoscope says. Ah, Craig, don't be stubborn or vain. The case is too big, too important for a confidential operative to lone wolf it. I've done okay so far, without company. Then I'll have to throw the book at you. You're representing a fugitive from justice, a man we've issued orders to shoot on sight. The regulations governing your license... Cut. Nice speech, but uh, I'm only half convinced. Now, uh... Give me the other half. I don't want to see you dead. Your repulsive kisser is an eyesore I've gotten used to. Like poison ivy in July. <laughs> Lieutenant, you are cordially invited on an excursion to Murder Island. We combed every nook and crag of Murder Island, but no luck. Uh, my aching feet, Craig. I can make a surveyor's map of this rock pile from memory. So we drew a blank. You! Will that be your queen of clubs? It is. Very Craig. And friend? Lieutenant Trav Rogers. What have you got? A divining rod for locating me? I've been watching you for half an hour. You're wasting your time. Am I? You won't find Crowley's clothes. How do you know what we're searching for? Is that hard? It even occurred to me to look for him. How'd you make up? Ashes. Ashes. The clothes were burned. See that stone incinerator over there? Yes. That's where Vince burned them. Still punching for that divorce, huh? Lead me to the ashes. 
These are the ashes of fabric. You're sure? I did time in police lab. Fabric burns in its own special way. The ash has a consistency. Hey, I've got something that practically converts the ash back to a suit of clothes. What is it, Craig? What does this look like to you? Uh, cufflink. What's left of it? Any initials? C. C for Crowley. That settles Vince's hash. Oh, freedom, it's wonderful. Postpone that freedom, Jag sister. Hubby's still a long way from the disaster you wish on him. Oh, last mile away. Vince knows your investigation's going to blow hot any minute. That's why he's got his mouthpiece here now. George Brooks is here? Yes, Vince couldn't get his lawyer here fast enough after you came calling. It's murder, and this time no phony alibi. I can go back to sleeping nights. I can breathe. I can live. You're uh, putting on quite a show, Miss Renee. I don't make a mystery of my feelings. Lieutenant, I'm glad and I acted. Go rub that ash in Vince's face. Tell him what a homicidal maniac he is and put the handcuffs on him. Well, why don't you go? Quite a repertory, Rose Renee. Hysterics. They were long overdue. Vince Keeley roped her into marriage and never let go of the noose. The way you work up sympathy. I'm not all cop, Trev. Who makes the arrest? It's your case. Door's locked. A pistol shot, Craig. From inside the house. Vince! Vince! Let me in, Vince! Can you identify whose voice? Brooks, the mouthpiece. Asking Vince to open the door? Sounds like Vince shot himself. Locked himself in a room and shot himself. Make with that bell again, Trav, and don't take your thumb off it. Who? Craig. And Lieutenant Rogers. What was that shot? Vince. In the library. He locked himself in and shot himself. Rough. I begged him not to. Not suicide. What alternative did you suggest, Brooks? Alternative? Lieutenant means suicide or the chair for murder. It was six of one and a half a dozen of another for Vince. Yes, I suppose you're right. You sound like you've changed your mind about Vince's reformed character. Vince changed it for me. He confessed many things to me. I've been a blind fool. What did Vince confess about Crowley? Vince confessed to murdering Crowley. In the library, Vince Keeley lay in peace with a look on his face that said he wasn't sorry to go. The queen of clubs bawled like a baby. The senseless kind of tears women are famous for. While the mouthpiece, Brooks, beat his breast and put Vince's confession on the record. I've been duped, tricked, made the fool. Vince's confession, please. Vince had hired Crowley to perjure in the trial last year. Mind you now, I believed Vince innocent. Since then, blackmail with Crowley demanding heavier sums. On Crowley's threat to expose his perjury for Vince? Yes, of course, Lieutenant. Vince had to pay to prevent reopening of an old case. Crowley bled him white until... Until Vince murdered him and threw him into the river. Yes, that's it, substantially. Uh, Craig. What? Which of us tells him? It's still my case. You're under arrest, Brooks. Why, you're insane. Shut up and listen. Smoke rises to the ceiling and hangs there. You fired a phony shot in the outer hall when we rang the bell. You staged a fake suicide. You'd already killed Vince Keeley in here. Now, what possible motive would you I have? You could be the big shot behind Vince's rackets. Vince had the low mentality of a racket boy, not a biggie. Crowley's threat against Vince threatened you even more. I won't stand for that. Then you lie down for it. Uh, uh, 
Get off the floor, Brooks, and listen to more. You also killed Crowley. Vince would be the world's prized chump to pay Crowley blackmail or even worry about Crowley. That's double jeopardy, Brooks. Crowley could confess perjury from now to doomsday. But no power on earth, no new evidence could force Vince to stand retrial for a murder he'd already stood trial for once and found acquittal. He's your prisoner, Trav. I'm turning him over to you. A week later, Stacy looked me up to thank me in a midtown half bra where the Wiener Schnitzel made you hungry for ham and eggs. You took the curse off me, Craig. I'll never forget it. <laughs> Mad dog killer. Those headlines gave me the willies. You're grateful, huh? I'm on bended knees. You can't reach for your wallet like that. Reach for my wallet? There was talk of a fat fee. Oh. I, uh, I hate to do this to you, Craig. But the fact is... The fact is... I'm broke. <laughs> Government's new bookie tax. I folded my tent. No bets, no horses. I'm down to driving a beer truck. For the wife and kids. Oh, uh, that's another thing, Craig, I, I, I want to tell you about. <laughs> no kids? No wife, even. I'm not married. Hmm. Good night, folks. See you next week. You've been listening to William Gargan in another exciting transcribed mystery drama... From the adventures of Barry Craig, confidential investigator. Thanks for joining us at 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. Reviews are always appreciated, so if you have a moment, please do stop and send us one. Until next time, everyone, stay safe, and we'll be back soon.